0: Hi, welcome to RHE podcast. And uh, how you doing there, Isaiah?
1: Uh, Not doing too bad. the The weather here in South Korea is a little stormy right now. Mm. But actually, this is uh, stormy weather is actually my favorite weather.
0: Yeah, mine too. It's uh, also like uh, you know a pretty good song. I've heard. (laughs) Yeah, no stormy weather, right? It's. Never mind. It's it's really old.
1: Oh, uh, okay. I thought you were. I thought you were referring to "I'm Only Happy When It Rains" by Garbage, which is also featured on my like one of my favorite all-time TV shows, which is uh, X Files.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, I was hanging out with uh, one of my Christian friends one time, and like uh, we were listening to their Christian rock radio, and and I, I heard one of the bands come on, one of the Christian bands come on, and I was like. And I said, "Hey, this sounds like garbage." And hmm. I was like, "I mean it, I don't mean it does, It sounds like garbage. Oh, I oh, mean oh, it sounds oh, like oh. a band
1: garbage." <laughs> That's so funny. Actually, really? any chance um, any chance you've heard of a, a band called Hawk Nelson?
0: No I mean I guess so I never, there's a chance I did, but
1: but about three months ago, um, I was, I was doing a camp. And what wound up happening was right whenever I was at the camp, uh, it was like a summer camp, summer English camp, and this guy came out, the singer, that he had converted from being a, a Christian to I guess an agnostic, like leaning towards uh, atheism. But he, he, was, he was definitely wasn't saying that he was an atheist. He was just saying he was no longer a Christian. And so um, I actually spoke a little bit about that in a sermon about, you know, being able to discuss things because he he said one of the reasons why he wound up converting from uh, Christianity was that he couldn't be open about his struggles of faith and about, like, liking liking to have a drink or something like that because he was, like, in the public view of other – the record company and other Christians – he just he he wasn't given that freedom,
0: so he was feeling like maybe a little oppressed. You
1: think oppressed? I think he was feeling that like he was had to fake a lot of stuff. Right.
0: Yeah. He, he he felt like he wasn't able to be his authentic self mm-hmm. because of all the uh, all the uh, uh, pressures of of belonging to a particular religion. I guess right.
1: This is actually. One of the reasons why I I feel so compelled to make this a podcast is because I do want to talk about, get stuff out in the open. And probably someone listening to some of the last few that we've done might think that maybe I I wasn't aggressive enough towards you. But the reality is is that I, I simply don't have all of the answers myself. So if I presented my faith as being rock solid and understanding everything uh, it would be put it like this: In order for me to grill you in 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 a in a very harsh way, it would take a very large amount of cognitive dissonance on my own part. Meaning that I would have to like ignore the fact that there's things that I don't have the answer to. So if, for me to expect you to have answers to everything is not realistic. You know what I mean?
0: Sure, and I, I think what, what uh, people listen to this podcast and i, I would right. think i thank them very much for listening obviously but what's one thing should they should know is we're not we're, we're here to challenge each other mm-hmm. right but we're not mm-hmm. here to we're here to understand each other right you know that's right. what the whole point of the podcast is is to mm-hmm. come to an understanding not necessarily agree not mm-hmm. necessarily you know not necessarily agree with each other or or have the same points of view, but to just try to understand each other's point of view right. a little better.
1: You made one of the funniest statements I've ever heard. He said, I often don't agree with myself. <laughs> so uh, I, I think that that's just a reality, you know, that we, we, if we were to be honest to really engage in things about ourselves, about ourselves, like not even looking to, to talk to other people, we would find a lot of cognitive dissidents and bias and, hypocrisy in our own lives so i think uh to me i just want to be out and open about that and, and explore some of these things you know i'm very grateful for this time that we have so let's with without further ado let's uh let's get into the topic of this week
0: all right well marriage is what brings us here together and uh speaking of marriage um you're married aren't you
1: i am married to a south korean woman yes i am how long have you been married? That's a very interesting question. Oh, okay. no. So, <laughs> well, well, listen.
0: How long have you been very married is an interesting question.
1: Yes, it is. Because listen to this. We met in 2011. We met actually on my birthday. Day. It was the third anniversary of my mom's passing away. And my mom's name was actually Susan. So everyone called her Sue. And then my wife's name is Sue Young. So we, we just call her Sue. So I met her on the same day my mom passed away. And then just interesting story. I don't want to get into the details of this, but it was somewhat of an arranged marriage. Like her, her parents, her parents asked me to marry her, pretty much. So
0: we don't have to get into the being, details if you don't want to.
1: Well, it's just it, it's not a matter that I don't want to talk to. It just it's it's a complicated, it's it we would have to spend this whole thing episode talking, talking about, about that. Yeah. Anyway, we got married. And so we got married. I don't know, five months later. Yeah, about five months later after yeah. we met.
0: Now, at this time, what what was your uh, uh, what was your belief
1: status? So interesting situation because I was actually operating as a missionary, and so I was preaching and teaching people, but I had not accepted the faith myself. Okay. So I was about as big of a hypocrite as you could possibly get because i needed to make money at the time and my background was in that because i went to bible college to appease my family Mm. but i still had a lot of doubts in my own mind and and i hadn't accepted the faith i hadn't accepted jesus christ so i was preaching to people because i knew i could make money doing it but i was still doing stuff like drinking and i mean I, i significantly cut down the amount of fornication i was doing in my life in my life like i limited down to just one person which is my girlfriend but not that that's not to justify that it just i i i was i was walking more of a narrow path but not exactly i was still like one foot in one foot out i call it the hokey pokey you put your left foot in you put your right foot out i I was doing that kind of game
0: and you shake it all about
1: and you shake it all about yeah (laughs) anyway so just long story short we got divorced within a year I was, I was cheating on her a lot. Like oh, I was just I not, not in a good space in my life. Uh, and I was an alcoholic. So, so then I gotcha. went back to America. And while I was in America, I had a religious conversion. So I was in America for three years after having a religious conversion. And then I came back to South Korea. And then she got pregnant the night I got back. So technically speaking, I don't know. You can say maybe nine years we've been married. But this last time around, it's been like three years. And then if you want to add the first year, four years, I don't know. I don't really know how you want to count that one.
0: That's uh, what so about you, 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 so you would have a, you have a very interesting uh, pers- perspective on marriage, I think probably. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and
1: how about you and you and your wife?
0: Well, yeah, okay. So uh, I met, uh, I met my wife, uh, in high school, um, we we took we had choir together, and the fact is that we, we probably wouldn't have met if it weren't for the fact that I, I had had not graduated uh, from high school uh, until that uh, until I took a, an additional semester. So I had mm-hmm. I took an additional semester of high school basically so I could graduate, mm-hmm. and that was that just so happened to be the year that she was there, at at the same school. Cause she wasn't at the same school during the time that I was before that
1: high school.
0: If I had, yeah, if I had graduated, we would have never met. Basically if I would have, if I would have graduated on time, we would have never met. We didn't start off in high school together. We, we started off later on, like after I got into high school, she was still in high school. She's like uh, three years younger than me. Things got serious. We eventually moved in together and we, we, we were together for six years before we even got married. Um, six years yeah six years yeah
1: well you beat me um we were together we're not even really even together it was like five months
0: (laughs) gotcha yeah and it's not it it wasn't a thing that's like oh we need to oh we need to make sure that you know it's like it, it was like from the beginning we knew we wanted to be together forever we i i don't know i i think both of us had probably bad um childhood experiences when it came to marriage so we we were just kind of hesitant on going through that whole thing basically right you know
1: just just dealing with dysfunction is that what you're talking about yeah
0: because uh we're both uh children of divorced uh parents divorced yeah her family life was really chaotic she eventually ended up in in the foster system but mine was just kind of like oh i got you know i kept getting thrown between Parents and step parents, right? And stuff like that. When it came down to it, we decided, you know, and she kind of sort of had a, a fairy tale outlook on marriage, really. Like, you know, uh, she, she had very happily ever after eyes, you know, came to getting married. And, you know, I was like, okay, we'll get married, you know, why not? We'll, we'll be able to, to file our taxes jointly or something, you know, right? But it, it, the thing is that it was important to us because we were not. We're both atheists. So, and we had both been atheists basically all our lives, pretty much, even though we, we kind of like, uh, um, participated in cre- Christianity, uh, so to speak. But for whatever reason, you know, it was important for us that our marriage would be as secular as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want, we, we, I guess we wanted, didn't want to, we wanted to sit in the signal that, um, this isn't about like, any anything other than between us two you know this is our commitment to each other
1: how many years did you live together before you got married and two do you think it's a good idea in general for people to live together before they get married
0: like I said we, we were together six years before I got married so um, we got married in the year 2000 which makes it really uh, helpful to know exactly how many years I've been, we've been married. Because all I have to do is think of the year. What year is it? It's 2020. We've been married 20 years. You know. Wow. <laughs> um, as far as the second question go, I, I don't think it's important. I think that if people want to get married, is the moment they meet each other. I, I don't think it really will make much difference either. Either you're, either you're sure you're going to be together or you're not. But you know, probably good a good idea to date for a while at least if you don't even know each other. I well, I, what do you, I would say if you're okay. going to marry someone, marry someone you know. You know, like you, you got to know the person, right? Because you're going to spend the you're 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 doing this thing where you're having a domestic partnership, right? That takes that it's hard. You know, it yeah, takes, of course, takes more than love. It's it you know, it's really like I feel like you know. I feel like two people could just decide, hey, you're an outstanding guy, I'm an outstanding guy. Maybe we're not the best, maybe we don't need to be best friends, but we could live together and and have a a domestic partnership. What do you say? And then they can commit to that. But it's not gonna work out unless you really know know who you're dealing with.
1: Go ahead. I had a friend in South Korea and his idea for an ideal kind of marriage. He thought that marriage as an institution was outdated. This is younger when we met, so he's actually married to a Korean woman now, but he, his idea was that people should live in like five-year contract commitment to each other. So then you can decide if you want to renew or you could switch without any hard feelings. But the reason the reason why I'm asking you uh, about living together is because this creates quite a bit of cognitive dissonance for me as a believer because on one hand i definitely do think that uh, people should not be having sex before marriage i know that's pretty unrealistic for a lot of people uh, myself included i mean i was uh, very promiscuous growing up like if you, i put it like this if you told a uh, if you told 18 year olds if you have sex, like you're going to die 10 minutes later, you would see people dying left and right either way, right? I mean, people just get so caught up in the moment. It really uh, prevents them from thinking about long-term or short-term consequences. So that's just a reality that uh, I understand. But on the other hand, I do know that that is the most healthy and that's the best way to go. That's not even an opinion. That's just All logic, all fact in the universe would point to that. I have to weigh that out with knowing that people do wind up getting married and then living with someone and finding out this person is nothing like the person who I've been dating. And then you get to see this whole other side of them that they've been keeping hidden from you, right? Because I've heard another joke said that like dating is basically just prolonged lying. You're trying to present this side of yourself that's like perfect, and it's just—it's not the case with anybody, not you, me, my wife, your wife, or any other partner out there. You know what I mean?
0: I—I I do know what you mean. It, it makes me wonder about, you know, okay, what is this connection between sex and marriage? I'll put it this way, you know, after twenty years of marriage, I'm pretty sure that sex and marriage are not—they—they they don't always. You know, it's like married people can have sex, but um, married people don't always have sex. Let's just put it that way. So, uh, yeah. Um, but I think the thing that made marriage important when it came to sex is the you know the possibility of you know a new okay. person in the community that needs to be taken care of, you know, and that needs to be considered. I I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that like i wouldn't tell anybody especially today now that we have advances in like contraception and stuff like that that as long as you're as long as you're safe about it you know you don't have to be married to have sex but once a child is produced I, basically you're all, you're automatically married because the child it, it turns the it turns the two of you into family You're now family connected through that child. Of course, that child has, you know, one one parent is his father and one parent is his mother, and that's always going to be true until uh, until basically the end of time. Because, and I think socially, contractually, you you have a responsibility to that.
1: So let me ask you a question: Do you believe that sex before marriage is immoral? Or is it just like not really moral or amoral
0: i I wouldn't say it's immoral because what would you say it is uh, well i would I would say I don't know I would say it's aim well I don't know that's the thing it's like uh sex can be a powerful thing between two people you know it could be a beautiful thing between two people you know it, it enhances people's uh, relationships and I think the really the only thing that ever makes it anything complicated or anything harmful is a if a child is produced Um, you know you're not being safe about it you're not you're not doing what what you need to do to not spread diseases and stuff like that that would be so it'd be immoral to not be safe about it i suppose right Uh, the second reason it's harmful or complicated is because of all this the cultural implications you know when it comes to to sex you know what sex means you know what sex is supposed to mean you know uh the meaning people put sex on 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 each other you know um or if that sex happens to you know not be fully consensual you know coerced like one partner isn't all in on it you know
1: yeah i think you're really missing um a side of this that the bible really uh, puts emphasis on is that the act of sex The reason why it should be confined to marriage is because it's a symbolic act of two people coming together in in union. In fact, the Bible refers it to as two fleshes becoming one. So if you think about for the moment, for the five or ten minutes or however longer you're engaged in that moment, that you're like one with that person. So that's why it's something that should be considered sacred and that you don't just sleep around. So there's because there's there's other things that I, I don't think you even like touched on at all, which is just the emotional uh, element of it. Or no,
0: I, I totally touched on that. Yeah, I totally did. No, but
1: I I don't think I don't think well at least you didn't go into into details. And what, no, what I'm I saying is that yeah. so you mentioned culture. Okay, so culturally speaking, there are some cultures who are just a far more open and willing to engage in promiscuity. And this is like, don't quote me, but I believe it's like Iceland. No, 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 New Zealand. I think it's New Zealand, where they interviewed people on average and like the amount of sexual partners they had was like on average more than any other country in the world, right? So then you have other cultures where it's like a really big deal if a woman were to engage in some kind of in, – in, in actual sex, you know? So there's like, for instance, really – really con- not, not necessarily conservative Muslims, but the, those women who, who live in, in, in conservative countries, they're very careful not to actually engage in an actual sex, but they're willing to do lots of other things if you know what i mean there's like a there's a culture element as well you know that i'm married to korean but it used to be the case that people wouldn't even meet their their marriage partners until they got married so they consider that as like a bad thing basically your parents would arrange the marriage for for you and in fact the the, the my muslim friend who will be interviewing from here his current wife he lives in south korea and he just flew back to egypt took a shower and like got ready and then went and married her he had never met her his parents uh, arranged that so what what are your feelings about um, arranged marriages
0: yeah and you know i think when it comes to like the history of the cultural importance of sex i think there are like there's there's the fact that you know it's the reproductive act it's it's such an intimate thing between uh, Two people, um, and it can produce you know a child, so it's always been like, okay, there's a there's the family aspect. If you're gonna have sex with someone, obviously, you're gonna be prepared to have a family with that person, and so you know that that kind of makes a sort of uh that that's kind of gives some insight on why you know sex before marriage is always such an important deal, you know? Uh, Another thing I think has to do with, um, I'm going to use this word, patriarchy.
1: What is patriarchy?
0: So, you know, patriarchy is basically a societal structure where basically men are in control and women are basically subservient. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think... uh, for especially a lot of Western cultures, um, like religious cultures, uh, marriage has been an important tool. Marriage and sex has been an important tool to, um, basically supporting a, a, a patriarchal structure and, and, con- uh, keeping, keeping women basically under control, you know, mm-hmm. there was a sort of vis- vestigial um, um, custom, uh, like in American marriages where you're not allowed to see the bride before the marriage, basically. Like once you, oh, right. once, once you say, yes, we'll get married, then you can't see each other until the engagement, you know? And I think that had to do with a lot of the, uh, basically uh, it was passed down from a, a culture of, you know, arranged marriages. Mm-hmm. The thing about arranged marriages is that it, it, it kind of shows how, little marriage had anything to really do with like love or um friend or or having a a, a sort of a, of a loving partnership at, at home it was you know especially among cultures of 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 uh hi, of higher you know like a feudal the the, the old feudal systems in mm-hmm. europe and stuff like that you know it was it was a port it, it was it's always been like an important political tool you basically kind of forged alliances through through right. arranged marriages. And that's kind of how a lot of cultures still do it to this day, even not just among the powerful, but among, um, you know, the middle class as well.
1: No. So my question is to you is, do you think that arranged marriages are a good or a bad thing?
0: No, they're, they're bad. They're always bad for the women. <laughs> Sometimes a lot of times when You know, especially in cultures where, you know, women are raised to accept such things, you know, it could be, it could end up being a good thing, it could end up being a good marriage, you know, the fact is that like, I think there's, it's a moral imperative to allow everyone the freedom of autonomy, the freedom to decide for themselves, how their lives should go, men and women alike.
1: I'll, I'll chime in with my own opinion. So, first of all, you see lots of arranged marriages in the Bible taking place. Mm-hmm. And second of all, for the vast majority of uh, history, this has actually been accepted and practiced in most, uh, I shouldn't say most, but many, many cultures. I mean, we're talking about many cultures on every, pretty much every continent. This is not something that's new, one. And it's only been, you know, recently when people might think that they should marry for something, as you said, love. But the reality is, is that love in and of itself is not a reason to get married. Think about this. Uh, Ted Bundy had a, had a wife before he, he died. So obviously the person was in love with him. That, that, that wasn't a good reason to get married. You know, people fall in love with people who they should have the discipline to say, I shouldn't marry this person when they're just operating for themselves they're not considering also the honor to their family so that's something i see a lot more in south korea Uh, for example it's not as prevalent these days but you should definitely have some kind of like you should be able to know the history of your family of the other person's family like what kind of line they're coming from you know what i mean Like that's more considered here. Something else that's also considered as well is your finances. Like, do you have enough money to do this? And so if you don't, your parents or your family will come in and stop you and say, you shouldn't go along with this marriage because simply if you bring a child to this world, you're not going to have the money to raise them properly. So I know it seems a little bit harsh from us as Westerners that, to think about their family coming in and doing that. But the reality is, is that, you know, you see a lot of people uh, not being able to raise their children. I mean, my family specifically, we took in about 10 to 15 children in the foster care system growing up. So I've been raised with people who, um, in my family, whose parents just couldn't take care of them whether from drugs, gangs, violence, uh, abuse, they just simply were not able to take care of their children. So maybe there needs to be some kind of like in-between ground between, um, because I remember growing up, my parents, my mom specifically, used to tell me, I'm going to pick your wife for you. I'm going to pick your wife for you. I'll pick the best wife for you. And she, the two girls she always used to talk about were like, they were just kind of like plain girls, you know, but they came from like a really good family. And I was thinking, no, you know, I want the really pretty like da 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 Now woman. Um, we were like teenagers at the time, but, but it turns out, though, when I, when I look at their lives now, that would have been a really, really – like my parents knew what they were talking about when they were saying these are just good women who come from good families, you know?
0: Yeah. So
1: um, what do you so- think about parents – about parents having more of, a, of an input?
0: Once you have a child, um, that child becomes a free agent in the world. You know, obviously it's your responsibility to care for that child for as long as it's, uh, you know, unable to, you know, consensually make decisions for itself. And of course it's, you know, we, we, we come together as a society to basically agree on when that's going to be, legally anyway. What So the question is, what do I think about parents having input? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, they're going to have input. They're, they're parents, right? You know, I, I think back to, you know, my own parents. And I'm like, did they really – they didn't really give me a lot of input, you know, about who I should or should not marry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe I blocked out probably some racist stuff, but <laughs> – <laughs> um, um, <laughs> I just feel like uh, th- they sh- they can have input, but they should not. They should not be the one who decides.
1: From having experienced both and seeing the consequences of both, uh, I I would definitely be more inclined to think, uh, on a personal level, that arranged marriages are actually uh, better than um, people. Choosing, because I mean, you talked about autonomy.
0: That sounds like and a th- that sounds like a utilitarian uh, position. Basically, you're looking for the best outcome. You're not, right. you're not going by any sort of moral imperative. You know, like I am, I'm going by sort of a moral imperative that, you know, autonomy is important for a human being. It's on them to make their decisions, to make their own mistakes, and we need to respect, always respect that, because otherwise. Otherwise, you're um, imposing your own will upon another person who has the right to basically do what the, they, they decide to do. While you are saying, no, it's, it's, it's better for the person to have their marriage arranged by their parents because the outcomes will be better.
1: Right So I mean it, I think you you may say you have a moral imperative. Well, I believe I have a moral imperative as well. It's like you stop people from doing stuff you know is going to be destructive for them for well, example, right. And
0: I guess utilitarianism can can be you know described as a moral imperative doing basically what's the best better outcome. but ultimately we're, you know we, I, and I think we will probably have another uh, episode on utilitarianism to me that can't be a moral imperative because ultimately you're you're going to advocate for just kind of engineering uh our society in a way where like we have to tell people that they have to do certain things that they have to you know that they have to have certain jobs or they have to live cer- a certain way of life because better overall outcome that ultimately i don't think will work because regardless of the outcome and i don't really think it'll it'll be a better outcome i think i think any idea that it has a better outcome is is a matter of of chance i really think it'd probably have a better outcome if people were more like taught to make uh better critical thinking decisions About who they're going to be with on their own, right? So I guess the idea is that the parents will have better critical thinking skills, so they will make better choices for the, you know, the child. But obviously, we live in a society right now where we don't we don't marry children to each other. You know, Mm -hmm. adults marry each other. They children get to grow up and then they get to make their decisions. You know, that's what kind of society we live in now. And I don't know, I don't really think it's a better idea uh, that we live in a society where, you know, all the ch- child's decisions are made for them before they even get to grow up at all.
1: South Korea um, is a very mild form of social engineering because it's not as yes. though the government forces you to do these kind of things. Mm-hmm. But just there's so much cultural pressure on you for, example, oh, right. as I said, exactly. to do
0: things like it's not a government engineering. It's a cultural engineering. Right.
1: Like, like, what? for example, I'm, here's another one. And I want to move on after this point, but it's like not in the slightest sense of the word socially acceptable to have a child outside of wedlock. Mm-hmm. So unless you're married. Um, so and that the that's way,
0: what, it used to be in America. Right once upon a time.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, uh but you know there's a whole other issues that we could talk about uh, utilitarianism and culture and social engineering. I'd like to talk about, but another question I want to ask you is why do you think so many people get divorced these days?
0: You know, they get divorced more these days because they're um they're more free to. Um I think people didn't get divorced before because they weren't more free to. Um they probably would have got divorced more if they were more free, if they were more free to, if they felt like it was a thing that they were allowed to do. And, you know, today we live in a culture where if it's not working out, you know, you could, you guys are free agents, consensual adults. Um, you don't have to stay married. And by golly, if it's not working out, then maybe, you know, it, it's kind of a culturally accepted thing that, you know, you should not stay married if, if it's really not working out. So I think that's just what it boils down to.
1: So let me ask you another question. Are you familiar with what the Bible stance is on abortion? I mean, not abortion, um, on divorce. Uh, and...
0: I know what Jesus said about it. I think Jesus said something that, that went something like, uh, if, if you get if you get divorced for any reason other than for adultery and you get remarried you're committing adultery
1: right so i think a subtext about that is that you just simply shouldn't get divorced but on the other hand we do recognize scenarios where like let's say for example someone is an alcoholic or they're very abusive and then you simply just cannot be in that marriage anymore for your safety or your children's safety or you know, maybe your financial future, let's say, for example, someone's a, they have a gambling problem. I was a compulsive gambler for I'm just kidding some time in my life. I was a very embarrassing, a chapter of my life, but. Oh, uh, you know, gosh,
0: you want to open up my book? <laughs> I've never been a a, a, a holic, but I've had my, uh, I've had my shameful uh, vices, I guess. Um, that, well, um, that almost put, put me in, and uh, others into, uh, you know, uh, emotional danger.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I, I thank God because nature, maybe. God has provided God in the, the realms of the Bible and learning about spirituality and what is healthy and what is not healthy. I think that growing up, you know, my parents told me, don't have sex, don't. Don't, don't get drunk, don't, uh, don't gamble, don't get your ears pierced. Don't get, they told me all these things and I'm like, no, that actually makes me want to do them even more. That makes me want to be promiscuous, that makes me want to be an alcoholic, that makes me want to want to go to Las Vegas and get all these tattoos and piercings that I have right now. But when I look back in retrospect and I see that my parents had a lot more foresight and understanding about the world than I did, I t- take a look at my faith now and it really has provided... Uh, a framework a foundation for me to live a more whole and healthy uh lifestyle
0: yeah it's really difficult to you know garner garner that relationship of of trust between a parent and a child and that's something I, i it's like one of the most important things for me is like um you know how to how to how to make sure that my my child trusts me you know and uh you know, because I think, I think the reason why, like, you know, uh, kids tend to do the opposite of what their parents say is because, you know, a lot of times they look at their parents like, well, oh, are, are you so perfect? You know, it's like parents, mm-hmm. parents seem to want to pretend like they don't make mistakes, you know, like, like they're now, now that they're daddy or mommy, you know, you got to look at me as someone who's perfect. My, my child needs to, see me as someone who's perfect right and i think that's that's one of the things that i've always tried to remember is like no i i don't need to make my son think that i'm perfect in fact he needs to probably see my flaws he needs to see that i'm flawed and he needs to he needs to trust you know to Mm -hmm. help to help garner trust between us Uh, the way i i've understood the bible there's a lot of it in there that basically is saying, you know what? Better not get married, right? It's better to just not get married. Just forget it. You know, forget about getting married. Just, uh, you know, focus on being a good person. I guess that's why there's in, in some Christian sects that there's a, a, a thing about, um, you know, aestheticism, basically. It's like, you know, uh, basically keeping celibate sort of like preachers and uh, not preachers, but like certain priests, they, they take a vow of celibacy or, or like monasteries or something like that. They don't get, they don't, they don't get married. They just serve God basically.
1: So there's a couple of things to say on that one is that unlike the Catholic Church, like uh, the the Protestants, in the Bible doesn't even say anything about pastors uh, not getting married? In fact, no, sure, it but assumes it assumes
0: it, it does. It does have things in there that basically allude to, not just allude to, but just outright say, "Hey, get married if you want to, but it's probably better that you don't."
1: Well, specifically, you're referring to Paul's uh, letter to the Corinthians. And what he says in there is that he says your life would be easier if you didn't have a wife or a spouse. I mean, that's what he says. That's, Mm -hmm. that's what he's saying. He's like, you're going to have a lot of hardships. And that's the truth is that yeah. Parent, uh, parenting and having a spouse, it's a lot of hardships. And this is what I what I wanted to talk to you about, about why I believe there's so many divorces, but he literally says in there, I want to spare you from that. And so he says, look, if you're given the option and you are going to wind up, for instance, like sleeping around, well, he says, yeah, then, then, then the better option for you in this case would be to get married if you cannot control your sexual desires. Uh, another place, uh, Jesus says that, yeah, it, 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 it would be better. He actually calls it being a eunuch for the gospel, Right. And eunuchs were people who had their testicles cut off so that they couldn't have sex, even if they wanted to.
0: So extreme. So,
1: yeah. Well, it's it's he doesn't literally mean. No. He, he wasn't literally meaning like cut off your.
0: Well, because they li- they did that was a thing back then though back in that in that time right.
1: Yeah, that- but they usually did that to kids, and then they would like sure. raise them to be in in that environment so that they just would be like servants to the kingdom for example right, right. Be- because like if, if you if you if you if you couldn't engage in that because i'm let's just face it when you're growing up that probably takes up about 90 percent of your thoughts like literally maybe even more <laughs> if you're especially for god i don't know i can't speak for women but you know this is just the truth and so I remember, like, whenever I was growing up, like, my my parents found some, like, condom. They found a condom in my pocket, and they presented to me, like, what is this? And I was like, well, I'm pretty sure you know what that is. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't I think like, you don't know what a condom, but, but dirty I, boy. I, was, like, Dad, I was like, Dad, like, like if I was going to have sex, wouldn't you prefer that I was safe? And he's like, well, I prefer you wouldn't have sex. I'm like, yeah. I, okay, I obviously know that scenario is true. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. like, but if that is going to happen, don't you think that would be a better option? So it's kind of like the same thing that Paul is talking about. He says, look, your life will be easier if you were not married. Okay. It's just as simple as that. If you're single, man, my, my life is a single bachelor was filled with me traveling the world, gallivanting, you know, at the time I wasn't a believer, so you know, getting drunk, using drugs, sleeping around. And yeah, my life was so much easier. I, I didn't, I didn't have a family I needed to look after. So if I wanted to be gone for two or four months, I could do that. That's not even remotely an option for me these days. You know, And,
0: and that's the thing about marriage, right? You know, looking, having a partnership with someone, especially someone you live with is is hard. Even if it's in your own family, you know, it's hard to it's hard to make a life with uh, someone else. But there's, there's a lot of reasons why it's worth it, right?
1: That was what I wanted to talk about was there's several, there's several different reasons why. One is I've already touched on that, is that people don't accurately display who they are before they get married. Okay, mm. And this is why I was saying there's a bit of a cognitive dissonance because I'm thinking, well, maybe if you spent two months with that guy, you would know this is not someone I should be marrying is what I'm saying. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. It's worth authenticity, right?
1: Right. So there's that element. The other element is that people are just self more selfish these days because of the invention of internet and wifi and all of these harmful things. That was a joke, but <laughs> you know, people just, people are more self-centered and they're more, um, concerned on themselves rather than the good of their family like for instance for instance the internet specifically has broken up a lot of families because you have the guys who sit there and you know and I understand it hey you gotta see your wife you know I see your wife I see my wife on a daily basis and she's wearing these moo's and curling curling, whatever and 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 she's had one or two babies
0: that's the doing of the internet you say
1: Well, you know, then you have the opportunity to chat with people, um, you know, you chat with people who are fit, who have never had babies, and then guys wind up, you know, seeing women. And let's not even throw in pornography in there because, or let's talk about, you know, pornography is something that uh, it gets the men thinking about women and having these ridiculous ideas of how sex is actually going to be, you know?
0: Well, I, I, I agree that, you know, pornography does present, uh, sex in an unrealistic way, but, you know, I think as human beings, we can come to terms with that, right. That we, we can, we can make that sort of an awareness in the zeitgeist that, okay, yes, there's pornography. No, don't think that that's what sex is going to be like. I mean, it is in a way it is sex, but when it comes to like an intimate, an actual intimate thing and i think i think a lot of people come to realize this once they actually start one you know especially if like you know they're the kind of people who spent a lot of their time you know before actually having a, a relationship with someone you know watching pornography um mm-hmm. once they once they actually do you know get to the point of engaging in an actual intimate relationship they quickly realize that that uh, what's that? Either that's that something is is not right. Something is not coming together here. You
1: know, and, and I'm not entirely saying that. You know, m- hey, you know, maybe some couples they might do that, and maybe it might help them. You know, mm. maybe, but I would say, generally speaking, that is a, a problem that does actually wind up destroying marriages. Furthermore, because so- as we were talking about. When guys start to have these fantasies that this is how it's going to be, then when you go back to having just regular, you know, 10, 15 minute missionary sex, that just is not going to get you to the point where you want to be. So then you have to start turning to the pornography to to get you off or to pursue someone who is more willing to engage in some of these things that you see being depicted it's it's just it's unrealistic I'm very against it um pornography it's it's yeah. i think it's very bad for marriages um oh, okay I believe that if people were to do what the bible says, which is one is that you just you wait to marriage to actually have sex and I know it sounds kind of prudish, but there are some practical reasons why then you're gonna if you if if you're Spouse is the first person you ever had sex with, then you're not going to be comparing them to past lovers that you've had and thinking, you know, oh, you can't do this like that person did, or et cetera. So then it starts to build up like a, it's psychological, I would say, that it starts to build up this nostalgic feeling that you might be having for another person that you might have had. You know, then you al- always think about this. You run into someone who, hey, in the past you were having sex with this person, you know. And now they're standing in front of you and your wife. It's a pretty awkward situation.
0: You 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 think that there there would be no other solution to these problems that might occur, uh, other than you know being celibate from you know both pre-mar- premarital sex and pornography, basically.
1: I mean, I would probably, if you want to start talking about some social engineering, I think I might have some solutions that probably people weren't going to like, but I do think that um, if we're talking about just individually speaking, this is something I would encourage people to do. One, don't have sex before marriage. Two, don't use pornography. And whenever you do finally get married, like you should be idealistically speaking, this is what the Bible describes a marriage to be like. Each partner is putting the other person above themselves hypothetically speaking, if your wife puts herself under you, then you would just come and dominate her. Okay. But that's not what the Bible is talking about. It's you're both simultaneously doing it to each other. And so you're both looking to serve and to please the other person. So you're taking yourself out of the driver's seat and you're letting the other person get in the driver's seat. And you're saying, I'm going to be a passenger here. Most people, they want to be in the driver's seat and they want their spouse either in the back seat, not even riding shotgun. They either want him in the back seat or maybe in the trunk. You know what I mean? That's how that's the level that they put themselves above their spouses. So I think that's something that needs to be strived for in marriages, because I think if you he, if he found that that people were doing that, they were striving to make the other person happy. Then, yeah, you would not see the kind of divorces that we see these days.
0: That's, that's a very, that's very interesting. I think i I personally, I personally think that, um, there are very successful marriages where there's a lot of equality in the relationship and no, nobody's trying to be in the driver's seat. It, it's just everyone's like in a, it's just like in a, any other relationship, you're trying to find your place in it. Right. So, I mean, maybe, maybe there sometimes is a dynamic where there's, um uh, you know, a sort of this struggle, power, this power struggle that you uh, described. But um, I think I first think that marriage is going to be very successful um, when you know basically equality is in and is in full consideration. All right, so we're going to have some uh, last thoughts, and then we're going to get into our uh, our top fives.
1: Marriage is is difficult. I think anybody who said that marriage wasn't difficult or it it's going to be easy it is lying to you and i think that's one of the biggest problems with people who, who are getting married these days is, is that you have to know first and foremost there's no fairy tales there's no prince charming there's just a lot of days that are mundane there's lots of days where you know you feel like you could just walk out but as with our relationships with god the bible talks about marriage as far as the closest thing that we have for a representation to our relationship with God is because it is when you take your vows supposed to be in sickness and in health and good times and in bad times and in rich and in poor and with my wife I've had lots of money and I've had literally like one dollar to my name and I've been very healthy and I've been having to crawl around on the floor but having someone to take care of you when you're sick and in turn looking out for them when they're sick, this is something I think is a very sacred uh, institution. And I think too many people spit on it as far as getting divorced or rushing into it without giving it proper thought. So I think the more we give it proper thought, the more healthy we'll raise children and the more fulfilled our lives will be.
0: I think we would do better as society if we would just get closer to each other. Cause you know, I think, you know, I say you had a point that we do have this thing going on with the internet and uh, you know, it's supposed to connect us all to- together, but so- something's going on where we're, we're getting a little more isolated these days. And I think when people look at things like, you know, the state of marriage, they want to, they're, they're looking for reasons, reasons why we're all, uh, so so isolated, and I think it's just be, become a little bit too easier just to like retreat, retreat from each other. You know, what we need to do is find a way to, to stop retreating because we, we're still we're still gonna deal with each other no matter what. You know, um, especially if you do something like have a child together, you're gonna be dealing with each other one way or the other. Uh, even if you get divorced, even if you're living in different places, you, you have this mm-hmm. thing, you have this person between you this, that connects you, that makes you a uh, family each other's family whether you like it or not you know it, it it's tough it's tough to have a relationship with someone there are benefits benefits that that happen in the long run in your lives benefits that might not seem so that may seem you know too hard to work for you know for for long-term benefits but you know when, when you reach uh when you reach a certain point in your life and You're always going to look back, look back on those relationships that you, you walked away from and, and Mm -hmm. wonder what, how could, maybe, maybe I could have, you know, been a little stronger, worked a little Mm -hmm. harder, right? Sometimes you got to do what you got to do though. You know, you can't, you can't make it work with everybody. There's no one size fits all with anything. I'm going to, I'm going to end it there because I don't want this to become a sermon. You're supposed to do this
1: That's good. That's great. Let's do genres first. So I'll I'll hit this out the park first, and I'll say alternative is my number one favorite of all time. As close second would be rock, but I can only take rock so hard as... (laughs) the pantera slayer that that's just a little bit too hard for me i like to be able to digest what the people are saying and when they're like raw like i have no idea what they're saying so uh, i love a hard bass track with some hardcore drums and some uh, distortion like smashing pumpkins or uh nirvana but that's about as far as i can handle what about yourself top two
0: um yeah so i i I guess i would have to say metal and it just it just depends on exactly like what we're talking about right because you can say metal and you 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 can think of all kinds of different types you can think of system of a down you can think of uh pantera like you said metallica or even like you know iron maiden and judas priest and you know those all feel very different to me as if they're all in sort of different genres uh to me but definitely metallica is my number one thing has always been my number one thing and i've you know when i i was inspired to play guitar by the likes of you know eddie van halen and uh black sabbath and uh those always have been you know those bands have always been my go-to to, to try to learn how what would be what would be my number two right like i guess i mean i, I it, like i could hard rock in general i guess you know i was gonna say
1: what are you gonna say death metal now
0: yeah yeah because like you know and there are things like some people might consider metal that i would consider hard rock really like uh you know like the aforementioned van halen you know back in the day the likes of you know Jimi hendrix and led zeppelin anything that you might hear on the classic rock station you know Uh, i've always you know anytime i'm in the car I'm, i'm turning on the classic rock station i i don't always like what it plays but but you know it's always a good bet there'll be something there for me.
1: I would say this. I pretty much like every genre of music except for death metal. Like I could really listen to country. I could really listen to R&B, uh, classical. But my three and four would be number three being um, probably R&B and four being uh, country. Because I, I grew up my mom played country 24-7 every day of the week. She, she, she was a one-trick pony. She liked nothing else except for country music. So country music is one of those genres that if you don't like it, it will make you have like an aneurysm. So it was like a de- as a survival defense mechanism, I had to develop a love for country music just so I wouldn't kill myself. So it's kind of stuck with me till this day.
0: Well, I, I, I somehow survived without an aneurysm and, and without, you know, embracing it, too, because that was my, <laughs> it was my dad's jam uh, to listen to country music all the time. And,
1: and now you're an atheist, Rob, so that might have contributed.
0: That's right. It was country music <laughs> that threw me away from Jesus, ironically, right? Um,
1: well, I was thinking more of, like, maybe it caused some some kind of brain damage. And so now, no, I'm just kidding. What's, yeah, your, what's your next one? probably.
0: You know, and it's interesting how you how you you talk about. You know, I remember. You know, I, I sort of came of age in the '90s, and the the big new music genre was grunge, right? And like at that time, I was like, why why don't they just say it's hard rock? Because that's all it really is—hard it's hard rock. Why does it? You know, okay, so it has a little bit of a, a of a metal sound to it, but that's basically what it was is this hard rock with a bit of a metal sound to it. Um, So I guess I'm just going to say grunge, you know, some people might call that alternative rock or something, you know,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: but I I liked a particular, you know, strain of it. Soundgarden was one of my favorites. And so, you know, I really loved Nirvana, Uh, Alice in Chains. I, I, I thought some of their albums were absolutely brilliant.
1: As far as what you're talking about grunge, I think of three bands when I think of grunge and that's like Pearl Jam, Sa- Pearl Jam Soundgarden and uh, Nirvana. And the reason why I would never compare them to, to, to bands like Skid Row or uh, Def Leppard or Aerosmith is because I think there's like this underlying like dirty and literally like grungy look to the artist and the music. So if you take a look at their music videos they are much different than what you might see from like a poison or a white snake or something like that.
0: Well, it's, it's like, it's darker too. Right. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, those other bands, they were just like, yeah, we're having a good time. Yeah. 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 And, and like, yeah. Uh, you know, well, and grunge bands come along like, I want to die. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, but, and I remember, uh, i i forget there was this uh there was this movie back in the day that uh basically it was like a documentary about like hair metal bands uh like late like 80s hair metal bands and stuff like that and i don't i don't remember if it was like uh the guy from skid row or the guy from motley Crue or or whatever but one of them was, was like talking about the emergence of grunge music and it's like Like I don't know. He he says something like, "Oh, we just want to, we just want to party and have a good time." And it's like these guys are like making this music. It's like, "Oh, I want to be sad." It's like, why do you want to be sad? Nobody wants to be sad. And and, you know, and it's like, well, some people do want to be sad. They just—it's not that they want to be sad. They just are sad, and they need people to understand that.
1: The, those rock guys that you said were having a good time—they're glorifying their drug use. Right, exactly. People are singing about the depression of what causes them to take drugs.
0: Right, exactly. And like what that guy's talking about, like the Skid Row guy or whoever he was—you're sad too, man. You're just hiding it. You're hiding mm-hmm. it in, in sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That's all. You're just—you're just trying to bury it. And that's why I've always. I guess respected grunge music because it wasn't right. afraid to be sad, uh, sad and angry, sort of. You know, I I always gravitated towards sad and re- angry when I was younger. You know, See, I, I'm going to give punk rock, punk rock a big uh, uh, fist in the air because for for a while in the uh, in in the aughts, the the early 2000s, I was uh, I was part of. I was, I played guitar in, in punk bands, you know, oh, I see. because, uh, you know, I fancied myself a metal guitarist, but uh, for whatever reason, I couldn't find myself any metal bands to play with. And, mm-hmm. but I, I could find plenty of punk bands to play in. So I I just started playing in
1: punk bands and started embracing that and started getting into it. And I think there'd be a toss up also too with classical and rap. And I know that's quite a dichotomy, but as i said i like a wide variety of things so. oh yeah great and right. for the record when i had hair, i was an aspiring rapper and i used to have dreadlocks but those days are nice. long gone
0: oh man recently at, at in my office job they asked you know we have a human resource person it's like oh we're gonna put up this thing and i want you all to send me you uh, know uh uh pictures of your uh your uh, your senior year photos oh we want to see everyone's senior year photos so i sent one in and mine oh that's great i, I have this huge mane of long red hair you know i look i look like a you know and i, I got this dashing pose about me you know, like i look like a, a romance novel based people at work are like oh were you into duran duran and i was like
1: <laughs> duran duran Uh more like the Keep around, around in your mind because that's going to come <laughs> up again. My favorite all time will always be Nirvana. I'm pretty dead set in knowing that uh, no band is ever going to displace Nirvana for me. Partially is because whenever I was growing up, they were like the first band that it was okay to listen to if you were like black or Mexican. Because when they came out, all my brothers, like cholo friends, they like freaking love Nirvana. And That's, that was just like such a taboo. Like you just did not listen to alternative if you were black or Mexican. So they paved a way that I remember just listening to them and being like, I just cannot believe how good this is.
0: That is so interesting to to hear that. I, I did not know that it was a cultural taboo to enjoy. Uh, it was, it was about, you know, it was about it being white, right? Alternative, alternative rock is a very white yeah. genre, isn't it? Right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I'll tell you what other band really helped that out was the Red Hot Chili Peppers. They, oh, they, right. They, they were one of those ones that were like, "Hey, this is cool. Like, this is kind of funky. We got some like little raps in there." So yeah, yeah, they yeah. were another big one.
0: Yeah, that that was great. Yeah, big uh, uh, big respect for Red Hot Chili Peppers because yeah, that they uh, when they came out, I was like, oh, this is something different, right?" You know. Um, well,
1: because they, they mashed up so many different kinds of genres.
0: Yeah. I discovered, I finally like got into Metallica um, probably around when I was like 13 or so. And that was like just the right time for me because there was a lot of things for me to be angry about. <laughs> Lots of things, you know. So Metallica kind of just kind of ha- helped me just get through that anger. And I, I kind of poured into kind of like and you said you know that the songs are, are dark you know i was really super into metallica when i was young um it basically they helped me learn how to play guitar um i taught myself how to play guitar by like basically reading um metallica tab books like guitar tab books you know even like once like i don't know if you know about like the whole era where they they sort of sold out they're sold out you know era you know they they cut their hair and they sort of became you know sort of pseudo alternative they softened their image and their sound a bit and even through that i kind of stuck with them but i never really liked that era of of uh of their their stuff i i always was like you know early especially like the first three albums and like the top album for me is um master puppets for them that's like their kuda brother their their masterpiece lately i hadn't been listening to metallica so much but like somehow like you know i showed it i I i was in the process of showing my my son you know and you know him only being like two three years old bands and he like he grabbed onto metallica hard for some reason he just wanted to like watch metallica concerts like hardcore you know and it, it's made me like start listening to them again. It's crazy. Yeah. Maybe we could do a podcast on it, like on, uh, on the music that's kind of, uh, shaped our lives.
1: Yeah. Well, cause as you know, as you know, um, music wines influencing you a lot and it actually helped me do some really bad depressed, depressed moments of my life. So yeah. I would like to go into, to more details about that.
0: It was good talking to you, Isaiah. And, uh, Uh, I want to thank everyone for joining
1: us. Um, At RHE Podcast.
0: I want to thank everyone for joining us at the RHE Podcast here. I'm Rob Schock.
1: I'm Isaiah Diesel. Thanks for listening.
0: Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.